First thing I want to say, you guys, is how grateful I am for that man right there, for Jason Dunn. And yeah, give it up for him. Uh, and not, not only Jason, but we, we have a building committee. And I want to tell you, so our, our plan here in a few weeks is to do a, a series on the spiritual gifts, the fact that every person is a part, you are a part of the body of Christ, and God gifts everybody uniquely. So can I just tell you, my gift is not in real estate and banking and business negotiations. My master's is in theology. <laughs> so I cannot tell you how grateful I am for this team. And so if you see Don Soper or Eric Winter or Bill Townsend or Lehua Weaver, let me just tell you, they're just like you. They are members of the church. They have jobs. They have families. And they have given hours and hours of their expertise in these areas that are giving us all the hope that we have for our future. So would you please give that whole team a round of applause for all that they're doing. So as we dive in today, I've been obviously going on this journey with my wife. And one of the coolest things is Susie's just been saying, oh my, Dave, she goes, this feels the most like our launch when we first started than ever. And so there's actually this, this excitement that Susie and I have. And it, because in our a launch, for those of you who aren't familiar with our history, there were 30 people who sold their homes and quit their jobs and left their families and moved all the way across the country to here to help start this church. And all they were doing, you guys, they did that to follow Jesus. They felt like he asked them to do that. And people were telling us, it was so funny too, it's like, hey, you guys, I got an idea, you, you probably shouldn't sell your home back in Michigan. Why don't you just rent it out in case it doesn't work here? But we're like, what? Well, no, we're following him, man, we are going all in. And here's the crazy thing, you guys, when we moved out here, we had zero idea what was going to happen. We had no idea if this was even going to work. We had obviously no idea where we were going to meet. And that's why, from the very beginning... We have called this K2 the Church an adventure with God, because that's what it is. We had one confidence moving out here, and that is that Jesus was leading us, and we were all in and following him. That's all we had. We had him, and we had each other. And so I just want to tell you, that's where I'm going to take us today. I want us to know this by the time we walk out of here today. We're in this together. We are in this together <laughs> And we are in this together. So I want to just show you, this was our original brochure that we threw out on about 10,000 homes uh, in Salt Lake City. Isn't that fantastic? That's an, that's an old pew. And then our team went, and I, there's a roller coaster factory, right? And so I, I still never know what those things are called, those things that come over you to secure your. But I, I love that. We, we just put those things on the back of a pew and said, take the ride of your life. And then you opened up the brochure, and this was the picture. Yeah. People upside down, smiling, totally secure. And, and on the next page, it actually said, Thrill Ride Theology. Thrill Ride Theology. We, right in our vision, man, we want to be a church that makes disciples who have reckless faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you what, man, how many of you love roller coasters? Anybody love roller coasters? Dude, I, now come on, you know how insane you are? You are hopping into an open air car that's going to go 100 miles an hour. And if you're like me, your hands are up in the air and you're smiling like these people enjoying the whole ride. 
There's only one reason we're doing that. It's because this has locked us in. And we know we're secure and we know we're safe so we can go for the ride of our life. So I just want to tell you, as Jason and I were talking last week, and, and, and seriously, guys, I can't even tell you the twists and the turns. It feels like a roller coaster ride lately. Every week, every day, we don't know what's going to happen. And Jason just said, he goes, man, Dave, this feels like one of those epic biblical stories. You guys, you know, it's too bad because we've read, some of us have read the Bible too much. No, that's not probably, you, you, yes, quit reading the Bible. No, but what I mean by that is some of us, have these stories, we forget how unbelievably crazy they actually are. So I'm going to share a story with you today. And uh, what's crazy is two years ago, in fact, I went back and I looked at it on May 27th, 2019. And this was right when AISU was closing. I was just having my normal time reading scripture, and I went to Luke chapter 8, and I read this story, and I did my meditation on it. Now, I'm just going to tell you, when I got done with the meditation, I felt very clearly God say to me, this is the message for K2. Now, I didn't know it was going to be two years later, but I went back and looked at this, and I'm going to share this story with you, and I believe, I mean, I'm just going to unpack it, and I believe it's exactly what God wants to say to us as a church in this season. All right, so here it is. If you got your Bibles, it's Luke chapter 8, starting with verse 22. Here we go. One day Jesus got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. And the boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. And they went and they woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this, that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him. All right, man, let's take this thing apart. First thing this, this story says is he got into a boat with his disciples. Okay, let, us re, let me remind you of something. When you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he got in your boat in a way better way than the disciples had ever experienced up to this point. The disciples, for the disciples, sometimes Jesus was in the boat and sometimes he wasn't in the boat, right? We have other stories where he's like, you guys go ahead and you go without me. <laughs> or he can get in the boat and he can get out of the boat. That is not true for you and it's not true for me. When I received Jesus Christ, when you received him, it says that your spirit is one spirit with Jesus. You are born of him. We are united with Christ, and that means he is always with us. He is always with us. So Jesus literally says, hey, wherever you go, man, I'm going. So let me remind you of something. We're in this together with him because Jesus is living inside of us. And here's the second thing about that story. They were also together with each other. It wasn't just with Jesus. They had each other. There wasn't one guy in the boat. There's 12 guys in the boat. And so when the storm came, they also had each other. 
And there was fishermen in the boat. They kind of knew what they were supposed to do at that time. And I just want to tell you, in the storm they had each other, and we have each other. We are in this together. That's true. The next phrase says this. Jesus said, let us go across to the other side of the lake. And sometimes Jesus says, let us go across to the other side of the nation (laughs) to start a church. Sometimes he says, let's go across to the other side of the valley. (laughs) But here's what I know Jesus loves to say. Let us go. Let us go. Now, here's the craziest thing to me. Well, there's lots of crazy things in this story. Here's one of them. Is it because he's Jesus, because he's God, he had to know that there actually was going to be this storm coming. Think about this for a second, about Jesus. He intentionally leads his disciples into danger, into a storm that can actually take their life. This is his plan. Let us go into that storm. Can I just, can, can I just ask you, Do you realize who you're following? You guys who actually follow Jesus, who don't just go to church, if you actually follow Jesus, do you know who you're following? You're following a Lord who's willing to take you into a storm that is absolutely dangerous where you could lose your life. Can I just tell you something about this guy? Jesus, his ways are not our ways. That's just true. But I will tell you this, his way is our way. (laughs) It is where we're going because we're in this together. He's in us, we follow him, and no matter where we go. So let us go, he says. So the next phrase is simply this. It says, so they set out. And this, you guys, is the one thing that we do as followers of Jesus. We follow Jesus. One by one. Each family, and this is kind of how it worked for us way back in 2003. One by one, each family made their trek across here. Some people had found jobs. Some people still needed to find jobs. And they moved out here. They set out across the country. Then we set out to figure out, to meet people, to build relationships, to get to know Salt Lake City. We set out to find out where he wanted us to meet. Here's one thing that was true about those disciples as as Jesus said, hey, let's get in the boat. When they set out, They had no idea what was coming. And when we set out to go across the country from Detroit to here, we had no idea what was coming. And you know what's true about us right now today? We have no idea what is about to happen. Yes, this is the way of God. Now, but I can tell you this, I don't want to be anywhere else but with him. Ah, it's the only place I want to be. Eternal life is knowing him. It's remaining with him. And that's why I'm telling you, man, we're in this together with him. Because we're going to set out and we're going to go wherever he leads us. Next phrase says this. As they sailed, he fell asleep. (laughs) Don't you love that? (laughs) Is Jesus concerned? Don't you love He knows he's going to send him into this absolute tempest of a storm and he's like... (sighs) and he's sleeping. Now, here's what's crazy, is they knew that Jesus was in the boat. He was there. They were in this together. But he doesn't seem to care. Now, we too intellectually know that Jesus is with us, right? We know this. 
The Bible tells us. I just told you. The scripture tells us this. So we're in this together with him. But I can tell you, it does feel, when you go on journeys like this, that he can be asleep. It does feel sometimes that he's at least disengaged, not actively involved, not working, that he doesn't care. So I'm up here today, and I'm going to be totally honest with you. I'm so excited. But I can tell you, in the last year, you have not always seen me like this. It has freaked me out to go with this God who, like, well, you're going, what, why did this happen? Why did this close? Why did this? I mean, constantly, it feels like God's not working sometimes. In fact, but it's okay because the Psalms are filled with these type of sentiments. In our scriptures, the worship songs in the Old Testament, they say, well, how long, God? Where are you? Why have you left us? And I just want to tell you, when you feel like God is asleep or he's not engaged, and it's all up to you, man, that's when the pressure is on. And you feel the pressure. And it was, the pressure was on for the disciples. The boat was filling with water, and they were going to die. And you know, man, you know the disciples were doing everything they could. They were reefing the sails. They were steering the boat. They were bailing the water. <laughs> they were doing it all. The pressure was on. So let me just say this. If we think, if we actually believe that God's asleep or disengaged or doesn't care and this whole thing is up to us, we're in trouble. If we think it's up to us to get to the other side, we're in trouble. But here's what we can't forget. He's in our boat. He is with us and we are in this together. So the next thing it does is it describes the storm. And the storm was fierce, and they were in real danger. And you guys, you know what? When you have a storm like that, uh, you know, I grew up in Michigan, so we didn't have hurricanes and all, or earthquakes like we had here. We had tornadoes. And I remember as a kid, man, I hated the tornado drill in, 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 uh, in elementary school. Anybody else have to do the tornado drill in elementary school? Oh, my gosh. Like, it just put this fear inside of me. And then, in my little town in Lapeer, Michigan, what they would do is they would set off a cannon. And you'd hear this, boom! And as soon as you heard the boom, you're like... I mean, you are running, right? And if you're in the school, you're getting under your desk. But when we were in our home, we're in our basement. Because when there's a storm that can actually take your life, you're supposed to be afraid. You're supposed to take cover. It's the right thing to do. So here's what I want to tell you. Um... What we're going through, obviously, is not going to take our life. We, this, this has nothing to do with our actual physical life. We don't have to be concerned about that. That's obvious. But I am going to tell you this, man. There is no question that this season is going to be a spiritual battle. And it's going to be a spiritual battle for every one of you and for me. And it's going to be a spiritual battle for us as a community. There's a battle that's going on. Here's what Jesus said. He told us there is a thief, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, that's a storm. That's real danger. And the one we follow is telling us that. There is somebody who is after you as a thief. Peter, right, his, his main apostle says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So there's a storm, but it's spiritual. And this enemy wants to devour us. 
And then Paul comes along and he says in Ephesians 6, so finally, you guys, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, listen to this, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is the battle, and this is where we're heading. So here's what we've got to know. The devil has schemes. Right there, we have to be aware of the devil's schemes. So we're in this together with Jesus. He's in us. He's our Lord. We're following him. We're all in this. So what's the one thing that the devil is going to do? He's going to do anything he can to get us to be disconnected with Jesus. He's going to, believe me, he is, he's been lying to me, he's been lying to Jason, he's been lying to our team. He's constantly going to try to get us to believe that God is not good, that he doesn't actually love us, that he's not at work, that he doesn't care, all of these things that aren't true. He's going to try to get us to believe that he's not almighty and that it's up to you. And you that's what he's going to do. That is his scheme, is to somehow get us connected, disconnected from God. And by the way, this is his scheme all the time to try to get us to be disconnected from him. But here's the other thing. He's going to do anything he can to separate us from each other. He's going to do whatever he can to try to divide us. Why? Because let me, let me say this. Union with Jesus is eternal life, you guys. This is our life. Jesus said, this is eternal life. It's that you know me. And again, it's not know about me, it's know that you walk with me and you experience me. And as I'm living inside of you and you trust me with your life, you actually are alive. You have joy and love and peace and patience and kindness. You have everything you need when you're in union with me. So the Satan, our enemy, says, well, then I'm going to get rid of this union with this so that you'll freak out and be scared and get angry and bitter and, and nervous. And that's what he's going to try to do. Here's the other thing. Jesus said, if we're one, if we're united, he said, the whole world will know that I actually came from the Father. He goes, I got one command for you. Love one another as I have loved you. And if you love each other, if you love each other, then the world will know you are actually my disciples and they'll be drawn to Jesus. So what is the scheme and the battle? What is the thief going to try to steal, kill, and destroy? He's going to try to steal and kill and destroy your union with God and your union with each other. He's going to try to do that, and we need to be aware of that. So here's what I know. We either fix our eyes on Jesus during the season, or we fix our eyes on the storm. And I know if we fix our eyes on Jesus, you know what's going to happen? We're going to be in this together, and it's going to be a ride of your life, baby. Sit in your little pew and put it on, and let's go. Here's the next thing it said. They went and they woke him. Now, here's what, we, we know Jesus isn't asleep, right? We know that he doesn't have to be awakened. I think we need to be awakened. I think that we need to be awakened to reality. So I was thinking, I was reading the story, and I just had this thought that hit me. Why didn't they wake him up earlier? Thanks, Susie, for laughing. But seriously, why didn't they wake him up early? You know, they could have, obviously, man, there was a storm brewing in, and they could have gone right down to the bottom of the boat and go, hey, Jesus, wake up. We just wake up. 
there's a storm coming. I know you told us to go across the lake, but there's a storm coming. You got to cut up. What do you want us to do? That's what they could have done. I bet you know why they didn't? I bet they didn't wake up Jesus because they're like, we're fishermen. Jesus is a rabbi. He's the religious guy. Right? What's he know about this? We're the fishermen. We can handle this. We've been in these storms before. And sure enough, man, that's what they were doing. So they were bailing the water and they were reefing the sails and they were trying to steer the boat. They were doing everything they could and the Lord of the universe is laying in their boat. What are you going to do in this season? What are we going to do, Jason? <laughs> Believe me, man, we've been bailing water and reefing sails and trying to steer the boat. And we've been on our knees and our team has been praying like crazy. Our staff has been praying. We've actually instituted where every Monday now we're fasting together as a staff on this because we have the Lord of the universe inside our boat. And we're going to wake us up to that reality <laughs> that he's alive and he can handle this thing. All right, so I want to ask you, Jason already asked you to pray for us. I'm asking you, we need every one of you. And I know many of you have already been praying but we need to be praying together, all of us as a church. And I, so I want to ask you to join us. I, would, I want to ask you to, to fast and pray every Monday until we find out where God has us to be. Now, you know what fasting means? Don't eat. Okay? Now, I'm not going to tell you what not to eat or how much not to eat. I, I don't care. You could, you could give up one meal. You could give up the whole day. You could give up certain types of foods. It doesn't matter. Pray and ask God, because here's what you want to do. You want to, at some point, not eat. So instead of needing this, what you're saying is, God, more than this, I need you. More than I want lunch, I want you. And I don't, I'm going to be totally honest with you, I don't get it. All I know is the scripture is full of fasting. I have studied this in depth. I've studied every verse in the scripture on fasting. I've read books on fasting. Let me tell you, when you fast in the Bible is when you're desperate. When people were desperate, they fasted and prayed. And when they needed guidance, they would stop and fast and pray. Check, check. <laughs> and here's what I know too. Whoever was leading would get in front of the community and they would actually call a fast, and the Israelites would gather together, and as a community, they would fast and pray, okay? So I'm asking you, if you are a part of K2 The Church, and this is your home, join us, and let's go to the God of the universe, and let's fast and pray. Let's wake us up to his presence and his reality, all right? Here we go. The last, and then the next thing, it says this. Jesus rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and there was a calm. You know what's crazy? When I read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, it is so clear all four of these authors are trying to do one thing. They want everyone to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This is God in the flesh. He has all authority. He has authority over nature. He has authority over the demonic world. He has authority over disease. He has authority over sin. He never sinned. He has authority over all people. And then Paul would wrote to us, and when Jesus Christ, so that's what they were writing, and then when Jesus Christ actually rose from the dead, now Paul was like, and he, God seated him at his right hand far above all rule, authority, 
power, and dominion. Do you guys remember? Remember the spiritual warfare? Our warfare isn't against uh, flesh and blood. What's it against? Powers and dominions and forces and authorities in the spiritual realm. Can I just tell you something so great about Jesus? (laughs) He is far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. Come on, man. Can I get an amen? That is is so great. That's what's true about Jesus Christ. And here's the other thing Jesus said. God is always at work. He's always at work. He doesn't sleep in his spiritual heavenly boat. He works in all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that's us, right? Do you love him? Yeah. Yeah, so do I. And the only reason we're even out here It's because he asked us to come out here. This wasn't our idea. You guys, in the scripture tells us, he's working. He's working right now. And most of the time we're going, "Ah, what in the world are you doing? He's working. And he's working in all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Our theme verse when we planted K2 was Acts 5, 38 and 39. Here's what it said. If your purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men because you only find yourselves fighting against God. And I just want to tell you, here's what, pray for this, pray for this, that the origin, the very heart of our purpose or activity will be from God. It's why we're out here. We knew it was. Can I just tell you, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I had zero, zero fear. Right, babe? I had zero fear when we came out here. You know why? Because I just knew it wasn't my idea. And I knew the only reason I'm doing this is because God asked me to, and I'm following the Lord of the universe who's far above all things. It's all right, let's go. This is actually his deal, and I'm on the ride. I'm locked in to Jesus, and I'm on the ride. And I want to tell you, that's when Susie says, Dave, this feels the most like the launch. Yes, it does. We are absolutely out of control, you guys. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. <laughs> like, we had no idea. But we serve a God who can rebuke the wind and the waves and bring the calm. And God's purpose is to save the world. God's purpose is to reach every person in this valley with the good news of Jesus Christ so they can be reconciled back to God. And God's purpose is to sanctify his church. His purpose is to make us look like Jesus who did whatever the Father told him to do. So that's what he's doing in us, so that we'll love him and live for him and follow him and live in union with him, that we'll walk by faith and have peace and joy in our hearts. And there, and the next phrase says, and there was a calm. Yes, in the waves, in the waves, but I think also in their hearts. And I'm just, I'll be totally honest with you, for me personally, this is my hope, this is my hope. My greatest hope is that I'll go through this season and that you'll go through this season with a calmness. You know, when God led the Israelites, what did they do? It says they grumbled and they complained and they said, why did you bring us out here? And they never wanted to follow him. And I'm just saying, God, please help me to have the mind of Christ. Help me to have the grace and the faith and the love of Jesus so that I won't grumble or complain, but I will have absolute trust in you. I want to be at calm in my heart in the midst of the storm. And that's my prayer for you. 
And we can if our eyes are fixed on Jesus. Because the truth is so great. We're in this together. So then Jesus looks at him and he says this question. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? I'll be totally honest with you. I've read this story many times, and when I first started reading this story, I'm like, seriously, Jesus? Because it felt like a condescending question to me. (laughs) It felt like Jesus was going, come on, guys, where's your faith? And I always wanted to go, seriously, Jesus? The storm can, like, kill us. We're fishermen. We understand these things. Why are you making us feel like such losers for doubting? We were going to drown. But then I just think, I actually, but Jesus just looks at me and says, well, listen, guys, I get it. You didn't know. You didn't know that I could calm the storms. You didn't know that I'm over the storms. But I'm with you. And we're in this together. I'm going to tell you, this is the ultimate question for every one of you. And it's the ultimate question for me. And as a community, this is our question. Where is our faith? Is it in the owners of this building? Is it in the K2 leadership? Is it in the financial institutions that they'll give us a loan? Is it in the real estate market? Is it in a building at all? Is our faith in a building? Is our faith in a particular way to do church? I want to tell you, man, everything you put your hope in outside of Jesus can be gone in an instant. That's what we're figuring out. That's what we're realizing the last two years. You can say, we're in this together with the school or with whatever, and then you're not. And anything you put your hope in, your faith in, where's your faith? It can be in something that can be gone in a second. Let me just tell you, no matter what happens, we're in this together. No building? Can't stop being the church. No loan? Can't stop us from being the church. The actual church doesn't stop. No one can stop us from following Jesus. Nothing can stop us from loving one another. Nothing can stop us from serving each other. Nothing can stop us. This, none of these things stop us from loving our community. And none of these things stop us from sharing boldly our witness because we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit for Jesus Christ. So where is your faith? And then the last thing is the disciples looked at each other and they go, okay, who is this guy? Who is this that can even calm the wind and the waves? And it says they were afraid and they marveled. Can I ask you a question? When's the last time God freaked you out? When's the last time God actually surprised you? Has your faith become so normative, so vanilla, so in control that it's become religion? Ugh, so boring. That's like the merry-go-round, you guys. No way, man. When's the last time God surprised you? When did the last time that God did something you never thought that he would do? 
When's the last time he did something you never thought he could do? When's the last time that God actually scared you because you realize, whoa, he is far greater than I ever realized. So who is this that we're together with? It's the one who can do more than we could ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. See, they didn't know that he had power over nature, but they do now. They do now because they experienced it. Again, as I was thinking about this story, I just thought, you know what Jesus could have done? He could have been around the campfire one night with the guys. You know, they're all around him, 12 of them. And he could have said, hey, guys, I just want to let you know, I actually have power over fierce storms. What do you think they would have said? Uh, uh, Okay, Jesus, whatever you say. I guess so. See, there's no way. But I tell you, because they experienced him, they now knew who he was. And they knew more of him because Jesus said, let's go into a storm that only I can control and not you. I wonder what Jesus wants us to experience so that we'll know him better. I wonder how he is going to display his glory through this season for everyone to see, for you to see, for the church to see, for Salt Lake Valley to see. I wonder how he's going to increase our faith and purify it so that we actually have it in him and nothing else. I wonder how much more galvanized we're going to be as a church. And I know you guys, sometimes some people just can't handle roller coasters, and that's okay. That's okay. But I think we're on one. And I know this, man, when you are, it galvanizes you. I wonder what's going to happen with that. And I wonder how he's going to reach more and more people through this. I can tell you this, we're going to find out. We're going to find out because we are in this together. The very next phrase in the verse in the scripture says, and then they sailed on to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. They made it. Oh, and by the way, now he was going to lead him to a demoniac who had so much demonic activity inside of him, he was ripping chains and nobody could stop him. He just doesn't stop, does he? He's a crazy God. So what do we do? What do we do in this season? Number one, we pray. We pray to get our spirits in union with him, okay? So I'm asking you, tomorrow, let's start fasting and let's pray And let's keep in union with this. Let's put on the armor of God so that the enemy cannot get us to think things that aren't true about him, okay? And then we need to galvanize two things. We we need to galvanize our love for Jesus and our willingness to follow him. Jesus, I will go with you wherever you lead. And we need to galvanize our love for one another. Let's love each other as he loved us. And let's be in this together. And then the other thing that that God has given us is what we're going to do right now. He's given us the gift of worship, you guys. Man, these two songs, I think they were written. I think Jesus was like, hey, K2 is going to go through this season. I think we need to write a couple songs for him. And when you worship, you know what happens when you worship God? It's a gift from him. It reminds us, you are, you are, and I'm not. And somehow, it takes it from just the intellect and it moves it to your heart and to your soul and it connects you with him. That's what worship does, okay? So let's stand together as a church 
and let's worship Jesus Christ who's leading us right now.